I have been working on this podcast for a few days. Like I've spent more time on this topic than I have, than I typically do. Usually when I record solo episodes for you guys, I just have something on my heart. There's something I'm thinking through and I kind of work through some ideas, share some stories, and that ends up being the content. But this one feels really important because it feels like the place that I find myself in, the place that a lot of my friends find themselves in, and that is going into the rest of this year and what it means. What it means for us as people that the world keeps shifting. What it means for us that we kind of are struggling to get solid footing. What it means that we sort of thought that by now it would have gone back to some kind of normal, but there is no normal to go back to. And frankly, it never... It doesn't stick like life keeps shifting and changing. And if you are an entrepreneur or a parent or a college student, like depending on what your daily life looks like, that ever shifting, ever changing sort of turbulent ground is causing PTSD. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. It is. And I didn't have the words for that until recently. And I can now look back and see how this is affecting me and how it's affecting you. And so today I want to talk about what's going on with us emotionally and psychologically coming through COVID and then also still being inside of it, as well as what we're going to do about it. And why the next 12 months are the most important, I'm going to say, of my life. I don't want to speak for you. I mean, I sort of want to speak for you and say that the next 12 months are also the most important of your life. But I can see so clearly how the last 18 months have completely eroded a lot of the things that I worked so hard to get. And I'm not talking about physical things or tangible things. I'm talking about the erosion of great habits, the erosion of processes and systems in my life that have helped me to thrive. And I really didn't understand how much things had shifted until recently. So that's what I want to dig into today. I want to talk about what's going on with all of us, and when I say us, I mean my community, my friend circle, my sisters, you know, what I'm seeing here at the office, and what I assume is also happening for you and in your community as well. And I know that 
if you're tuning in, typically um, this community are people who want to make impact. You want to make change. You're, you know, you're working with your church. You're working. You're volunteering. You're showing up at your kid's school. You're raising babies. You're trying to be a good leader, a good friend, a good sister, a good husband, a good whatever. You're trying to have great impact and great legacy. And the last 18 months for so many of us have felt like just constant opposition to that. And that does have emotional effects. So I'm going to talk about that today. And then also some things, you know me, like I don't just want to talk about the problem. I also want to tell you some things that have helped me. And as always, maybe I'll talk about the things that help me and they'll help you too. But even if they don't help you too, I always think that hearing about how someone else is taking on a problem or finding a solution can at least spark creative problem solving in us to help us figure out what will work for us. So that's the intention of today's podcast. And let's go ahead and dig in. Maybe y'all, if you um, consume my YouTube and you also uh, listen to the podcast, then there are two sort of things that happened in those platforms that you might be familiar with. And if not, I'm going to catch you up. On a recent episode of my YouTube show, Rach Talk, I told the story of getting a brain scan. I had always wanted to do this, and I was really excited to finally meet with this doctor, and he's a psychiatrist, a doctor, an author. I admire him a ton. I followed him for years, and I had always wanted to have him look at my brain. And I'm a nerd. I know I am, but I just had always wanted to have it done. Then his name's Dr. Amen, and I had gone to get a brain scan, and then I also interviewed Dr. Amen on the podcast. And in the process of having my brain scanned, which, by the way, I get my results. I'm meeting with Dr. Amen on Friday this week. So I get my results, and I'm super excited to learn all the things. But I swear to goodness, even the process of going through the process of having to fill out 20 pages of paperwork on my medical history and like my family's medical history and how that shows up and what affects me. And you have to do intake interviews with a psychologist and just all of this stuff. Just that process has already been so helpful for me. And I, when I interviewed Dr. Amen, I was telling him the story of how my friend Jay and I were, were saying, man, it really feels like our focus is off. And I mean, if this is you, like, I know I can't hear you, but like, I'm a preacher's daughter. So like, say, give me an amen. If you feel like you have lost your ability to focus on projects or you get easily distracted or you're having racing thoughts or your your mind is sort of leapfrogging. Like I got a text from one of my girlfriends today and she said, I feel like my brain is like a monkey swinging from branch to branch. Like I can't calm it down. If that feels like you, that also feels like me. And so I was talking to Dr. Amen and I was like, I just feel like my focus is off. Like, it, you know, and I'm sort of thinking, to be totally honest with you, I was feeling ashamed of that. 
you know, I'm I'm really dedicated and I'm a hard worker and I'm great at achieving a goal and like doing the work, putting my head down, like I'll run a marathon, I'll write a book, like I'm an Enneagram three, like I'll achieve the task. And I've really struggled to stay focused. And in the podcast, Dr. Raymond was like, yeah, globally, globally, we have PTSD. The effects of COVID and 2020 and how that hit each of us in different ways, we're not even going to be able to quantify how that will affect us for decades. But it doesn't matter the report that someone's going to run on that, you know, over the next 10 years. It matters what's happening in your life right now. Like everything for me, and I know for a lot of other entrepreneurs, was about survival. Like 2020 was about survival. And how do I make sure that this team can keep getting paid? And how can we pivot? And then we got to pivot again, and we got to pivot again. And there was so much in that. And then I went through a divorce, and I was trying to navigate my children through that. And you know, make them feel safe and make them feel seen and heard. And just, it's so much to carry. And I was talking to the psychologist, you know, in this intake process. And I was just, she's like, you know, why do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, I just feel like my anxiety is back. And I'm, you know, back to making poor choices. I'm drinking more than I was at the beginning of COVID. I'm eating more than I was at the beginning of COVID. And I almost feel like, I don't know if this is y'all, but I almost feel like the first nine months of COVID and lockdown, I knew how precarious everything was. I knew my family was on shaky ground and hurting. I knew my business was in a desperate situation. We weren't able to do any of the conferences that we had planned and, you know, massive financial liabilities. And I just, every single day for nine months, I woke up and just thought, it's do or die. It's find a way. I mean, and if you were listening to podcasts back then, if you were with us when we did our first virtual conference with Rise Courage, you know, we were in it and we were creating content to speak to that. And I know so many of you were feeling the same way, but I'm a, like, I'm high capacity, meaning like you can throw a lot of stuff at me and I'll figure it out. That's why it was a really good wedding planner, because no matter what was going on in the world, I would just find a way through. I'll just work harder. I'll do more. I'll get up earlier. I'll stay up late. Like a lot of the things I've achieved are because of that. The problem is that that takes an extreme emotional and physical toll on me as a human and on you. Like if you're in the same boat, there's an extreme emotional toll that is happening because of that drive and that high level and that hustle that were required for most of us and maybe still required to perform the way that we need to. And for me, I also have a really hard time being conscious of the stress because I'm in this sort of fight or flight mode and I'm, it's never flight. It's always fight. 
So I'm just like, go, find a way, like push harder, do it. And I don't even, I'm not even conscious of the stress. Now, at the beginning of COVID, I knew that we were in this crazy stressful time. And so I like tripled down on all of the habits that I knew were going to keep me going, moving my body every day, therapy, gratitude work, meditation, prayer. I just was so intentional about those things because I knew that I needed to have them there. But there was something, I don't know if y'all felt like this, so I'm just going to like speak my heart And in talking with a lot of my friends, they sort of have had the same feeling, maybe at different times in the last 18 months, but like they've all, we've all like had this moment. At some point, it just never stopped being hard. 18 months, it just hasn't stopped being hard. I don't say that lightly. I know, I know that there are those of you who are listening to this who have had a harder experience than I have had. And this is not a competition, but never one time, never once in 18 months have I felt like the business was safe. And if you're an entrepreneur, you understand what that means. Like we we'll launch something and we'll see great revenue come in. And then my business is such that we exist in launch models. So we'll launch a book, we'll launch a conference, we'll launch something. And then that's great unless you understand cash flow. (laughs) Remember, in a business, cash is queen. So it doesn't matter how much revenue you're projecting, it matters how much cash you have in the bank. And cash has been just feast or famine for 18 months. And that's incredibly stressful because that's people's jobs. And personal things, and it just feels like, I'm not saying this complaining, and I'm not saying this to whine. I'm saying this because I feel like when I'm with my friends, I just had lunch with a girlfriend, and we were talking about this. We hadn't seen each other in a while, and we were talking about this, and she was like, oh, God, okay, me too. And I always just, it's, you know, C.S. Lewis said the most powerful words in the English language are me too. When someone else is like affirming that they also have felt that way, I was like, oh, okay, great. I got to talk about that when I do the podcast later. Both, both of my grandparents who are in their 80s, Mima and Papa, both have COVID and are in the hospital. And my mom is like, trying to take care of everybody and how do you get care for you know older citizens who are who have covid and you can't and like she's t- taking time off work and it's like just it feels like it hasn't stopped being hard like there'll be a day or a week where it'll start to feel like okay we're gaining on this we're 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 doing and then it'll be like you know Mima has covid and of course that's what it feels like now. It feels like, of course, that's what it is. Of course, my friend is struggling. Of course, this thing has happened. Of course. And I, this is the definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. 
PTSD, which I have had since I was 14 years old. And it manifests for people in different ways. And obviously there is trauma that you can go through that is so much more horrific. But for all of us, what I want you to hear me say right now is that PTSD feels like there's always a level, hopefully low, but sometimes very high, there's always a level of anxiety. That part of our brain, the lizard part of our brain that only has one job, which is to keep us alive. One job, keep keep us alive. There's three parts of our brain. There's a lizard brain. There's a mammal brain. There's a human, like, look it up. The most, like, basic part of us has one job, which is stay alive. And if you have felt threatened, threatened financially or emotionally, which we all have as a global community of people, there's been fear, anxiousness, people have died, people are sick, we've lost businesses, we've lost jobs, like relationships, so much has happened. What that does is it puts the lizard part of your brain, the the stay alive part, now that's leading out. That's constantly looking for danger, constantly. Now, when we were, you know, cavemen, that part of your brain kept you alive. It was constantly looking for the saber-toothed tiger that was going to eat you. What that looks like today is that you are anticipating the bad stuff. You're anticipating the world falling out from under you. You're anticipating the worst. And if you've learned about manifestation or what we put out into the world or any of that, what you look for, you will find. And like, I am preaching to myself right now. I freaking do this for a living. This is all I've done for a decade is try and learn and sort of like, okay, how can I do this better? And then I end up sharing it with you guys. Like, hey, this is what I learned. and what. But even I am having to relearn this stuff because I feel like it has been eroded. I've sort of, it's like all of the stress of the last 18 months has scratched away and sort of peeled away all of the walls that I built up to hold boundaries and to keep myself centered and calm and like all those habits, all those rituals, they're not gone, but they're shaky. They're not gone, but they're solid. It's like, you know, we're a castle in like, I don't know, medieval time period. And this force this invading army, this whatever has like rolled up to the castle with like those, what? <laughs> I mean, you can't see me if you're listening to this. I'm trying to like, what is it? Like a catapult? Like, you know, the, where they would like rocks and sticks and they do everything to try and break down the walls of the castle. That's what I feel like right now. I'm still standing And I'm so proud of the fact that I'm still standing. You're still standing. You're here. You're listening to this. You're still going. But it's just shaky. It's not as solid as it once was. And in this state of heightened anxiety, 
heightened fear. I am anticipating things going wrong. And maybe they will. That's freaking life. Maybe things will continue to go wrong, but I promise you that it is not serving me. It is not serving my team at work. It is not taking care of my children. It is not helping me have impact, create content, be creative. Like it doesn't serve me in any way. Because honestly, if bad shit happens, I'll deal with it. If bad shit happens, you'll deal with it. And it doesn't mean it won't be hard, but it is way harder to experience like a month of worrying over something and then the thing happens that you lost that whole month. And in fact, if you really think about it right now, if you ask yourself, how much anxiety have you had compared to the actual manifestation of the thing you were anxious about? It's not even close. Meaning most of the time we're worried about stuff that doesn't even happen. The things that really throw us off are the things that we never anticipated. So how this affects us is one, it's like heightened anxiousness, which is no way to live. Because what happens, what happened for me, what happened for my girlfriend today, is that we hit that point in time where we realize that it was still hard, that nine months had gone by, 10 months, 11 months, whatever, and it's still a mess. It's still pivot, you know, pivot again and figure it out and work harder and do more and, you know, all of this stuff. And at some point, I, I felt so tired I felt so burnt out. I just stopped doing that triple down on making sure that I was emotionally processing the stress. Thought I was. Because what I did was I went back to my regular habits. That's what it is. I'm like making this connection in my mind right now. The world sort of started to open back up. And we got to go to restaurants again, and we got to travel again. You know, this is after the first of the year. And I started to feel like it was sort of normal. And so I went back to my normal habits, my normal routine, my normal ritual, thinking that we were sort of normalizing. But I immediately started to feel the effects because the stress level didn't change. I'm just having this clarity with you right now in real time. I didn't stop doing the things, but I stopped being so conscious and so intentional about like making sure that I was really living that. And then obviously now my stress feels like it's stronger, like it's more. And this is some of the stuff I talked about with the psychologist. I felt like I couldn't focus. I felt really easily distracted. Obviously my anxiety was coming back in a greater way. I really felt like not motivated. I really felt like I lost momentum. I really started to feel these things. And then how I process this is usually being really mad at myself. 
Like, how did we get here? How, why are we like, why? Come on, try harder, work harder. I know it's not healthy. I'm an Enneagram three. Like I get it. But I just felt all this stuff slipping. And then I started slipping back into bad coping mechanisms, only I couldn't see them as bad. So the world, I'm using air quotes, guys, the world opened back up. It didn't, you know, it hasn't like really, but in a lot of ways, we got to do things we weren't able to do. And because we hadn't been able to go anywhere, like my girlfriends and I were like, let's go to dinner. Let's go get drinks. Let's go, you know, do these things. And so I started drinking more. And then I started eating off like how I would normally eat. And I was freaking living it up because I was like, God, I haven't been able to go anywhere in so long. And that ended up becoming sort of this this like springboard for now that's not just happening outside my house. Now I'm kind of like pulling it into weeknights and I started drinking more and I really didn't see that stuff until I was going through this process and I was like, oh, wow. Like I pre-COVID, I would have like maybe one or two drinks a week. Like, I'll, you know, my, my drink of choice is a vodka LaCroix and I'm a pretty big lightweight but I would like have one and maybe I finished it, maybe I didn't, but like that was it. And then now I was at the place absolutely in lockdown. I had a cocktail every freaking day. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna have a cocktail and a half and now I'm having two. And I have struggled with that in the past. If you read Girl, Wash Your Face, you know that was an issue for me as a young mother. And so then I like find myself doing it again. And then the shame spiral starts again. Like, how did we get back here? Why are we? It's like, get get off this train. Like, what are you doing? But I just felt like, you know, there's an old saying that like, humans only make decisions to get pleasure or avoid pain. That's it. It just comes down every single decision you make is for pleasure or to avoid pain. And in fact, you will always choose to avoid pain more than you'll choose pleasure. Like avoiding pain is actually a stronger catalyst for us to make change in our life. But if you can find something that manages to do both, you know, if you've had a hard, stressful, crazy day and you can have a vodka LaCroix, which will help you to avoid pain. So you're going to like numb out a little bit, feel a little less stress, and you're going to have some pleasure simultaneously. If you could do both of those at one time, hot damn. It's really easy for that to become a habit in your life really fast because it's serving both of those needs at once. So those patterns which started to show up for me inside of this anxiousness, this stress, all of these feelings, then like imagine this is like a flow chart and I'm like <laughs> trying to like take you guys down this thing with me. So we all experience this insane stress. We start having symptoms of the stress affecting us long term. We start many of us to fall into old bad habits and or develop new bad habits. And that starts to reignite old limiting beliefs. Now, I assume if you are hanging out with me that you're all up in personal development world, but I'll just walk you through it if you're not familiar. 
a belief, whether that's political, religious, self, the world, is the earth flat, like a belief is you having certainty that something is true. That's a belief. Your certainty on a topic is your belief. And that shows up for you in a million different ways. You, you know, maybe capital T truth to you is Jesus is the son of God. That is your belief. Maybe you believe in Buddha, Allah, Confucius, um, the Torah, the what, you know, that you are diehard Democrat, that you're diehard Republican. That's your belief. It is certainty in what you believe. And beliefs can be really dangerous and really harmful to us as human beings when we care more about the certainty than the truth. Woo! Can we all just have a minute for that? When we care more about being right in our beliefs than we care about what is actually true and real. So a belief is your certainty in this thing that you think. A limiting belief is something that you believe about yourself that actually makes it so that you can't achieve the thing you want to achieve, that it slows you down, it hampers you, it makes it harder. Anything that's limiting your growth as a person, your ability to do great things in the world, that's a limiting belief. And I feel like this is the term in personal development that most people roll their eyes about because they're like, oh, limiting beliefs, like, you know, why? Like, whatever. Like, they just are super judgy about that word because they're like, well, maybe it's really true that, like, you shouldn't start a business or maybe it's really true. It's like, no, bro. Like, if you have a dream in your heart and you feel really passionate about that idea, a limiting belief is often like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not connected enough. I'm not thin enough, young enough, old enough to pursue my dream. Well, that's limiting you. It doesn't serve you to believe that. And there are people who will say, no, sis, that's the truth. She is too young to do that thing. He isn't smart enough to have that dream, to have that goal. But if it's not serving you that belief system, why cling to it? Because there are thousands and thousands of people who are living in opposition of the thing that you believe. They're, they're, you know, like, oh, well, I come from this neighborhood and from this neighborhood, like, nobody's successful. Nobody? I, there are people who can represent both sides of that truth. There are you, every day of the week, you can find someone whose story confirms what you believe or is in opposition of what you believe. So if it's a limiting belief, it means it's limiting your potential. And there's power in understanding what the other side of it is. But when we experience these anxious times, when we experience this stress, it reignites old limiting beliefs because there's shame that happens in in old bad habits and it brings back up stuff. And I'm saying this to you because as I'm going through it, I'm not even conscious of it happening. And this is what I do for a living. And so if I'm not conscious that all this crap is bubbling up for me, what are you not conscious of right now? What are you feeling like 
you don't have the motivation that you want, or you're not taking care of yourself health-wise, or your business has dropped off, or you know, you're not doing the sales that you wanted to do this month. Like these things are going lower and lower, and you're telling yourself that it's happening because of those old limiting beliefs. Yep, I knew it. I wasn't smart enough. Yep, I knew it. I don't know numbers. Yep, I knew it. You know, I can't be a good mom and run a company at the same time. We buy into the bullshit and it keeps us where we are, it keeps us stuck. It's also so discouraging for those of you who are working so hard to try and like figure it out and make a way for your family and you have people counting on you, even when you're keeping your head above water, it still feels like you're drowning. For a lot of us, we've kept our heads above water for 18 months or two years or three years and we're really freaking good at keeping our head above water, but we're exhausted. That's where I think we're at right now. And I think that everything that just happened really shined a light on fissures and cracks that were already there. My stress didn't start in COVID. My stress started, honestly, in 2018. In 2018, I'm just like, mom, working mom, going about my life. And I have a book explode and the world explodes around me. And it was so, it was such a blessing and it was so freaking overwhelming. And I was on the road for over a year and it was, there's no preparation for that. I am not complaining. I'm telling you my story and I'm telling you my story because I know you have your version of this. You have your version of extreme stress that started before COVID, that started before lockdown. And the extreme stress was like gasoline and COVID just lit a match. And maybe you kept yourself going, telling yourself someday when the world goes back to normal, someday when we have a vaccine. I felt like that. Oh, well, when we have a vaccine, it'll be okay. I worried about my grandparents for over a year. Over a year. So stressed about me, mom, papa. They got COVID after we had vaccines. Like, what the hell? Uh, Someday when... The world goes back to normal. Someday when we're able to have conferences in person again. Someday when this, when that, when it's summertime, when it's back to school. Like it's the idea of like, it'll be better when is freaking dangerous thinking. Dangerous, you guys. It really is. Because we cling to some future possible ideal state that will never come. And normally, if this was like pre-COVID, my response right now will be like, you have, but you have to find a way today. Like you can't wait till tomorrow. If you, you know, you got to be able to make this change in this moment. Not that like that is what I would have preached to you pre-COVID. But I'm not preaching that after 18 months of feeling like we're all drowning because that's not going to serve any of us. 
all that's going to do to me is make me feel shame. And from a place of shame, we can't do anything concrete. I'm not going to talk to you about like finding the will, you know, or finding the motivation. I'm not going to talk to you about that. I think it's more powerful for you to understand. And I hope that this is what this time, this conversation is giving you is just reflection of are you doing any of these things? Are you having any of these patterns? Because the stress led to old bad habits, led to old limiting beliefs, which leads to cognitive dissonance. Right. Now, maybe you've heard this term before. Maybe this is a new one for you. I guarantee you know maybe the idea of this if you haven't ever heard the actual psychological term for it. But cognitive dissonance is basically the idea that human beings are incapable (laughs) of easily acting in a way that is in opposition with their belief system. So we talked about this idea that your belief is certainty in these thoughts that you have. And it's really dangerous when it comes to our belief in self, our limiting beliefs, or who we perceive ourselves to be. We will not act in opposition of who we believe ourselves to be. It is a subconscious thing. It is why we self-sabotage. If you've experienced self-sabotage financially, with your health, with your relationships. If you've ever looked back and been like, oh my gosh, that relationship was going so well. Why do I always like, why does this always happen? Why does it always turn bad? Or like, man, I really was like doing well financially. I was starting to make money. I was starting to pay off my bills and like everything went wrong. You will always act with who you perceive and believe yourself to be. Cognitive dissonance. I think I wrote down the definition. Yes. Cognitive dissonance is beliefs clashing with new actions or new information. So if you believe yourself to be a, oh, I think that I still like all of this stuff. I'm like, oh, I still on some level have some belief system about when I am stressed that I will comfort myself with food. I, I mean, y'all have heard me talk about this so much, binge eating in the past and, and being triggered and um, all of it. And I have worked, oh my word, for 15 years to get past it. And that shit started creeping back in. Binging started creeping back in. All of these things, which makes me, I'm like, oh, that's still there. Like it was tucked down deep inside But with the erosion of, like I said, these walls, these sort of shaky castle walls, it started to bubble back up. Cognitive dissonance is you having this idea for a business that you want to start, but you can't get yourself to do it because deep down you believe you're not smart or that, you know, it'll always fail or it'll always go wrong. Here's a really quick idea, and this is something you can do in journaling, but one of the ways I like to see like, what do I really believe about something is to ask myself, like, let's say health. Health is a great example. So let's say 
you're journaling and you're like, if I was living in optimum health, if I was taking care of my health emotionally, physically, nutritionally, if I was living my life where I wanted to feel really great, I wanted to have energy, it wasn't about how I looked, it was about how I felt and I really took care of myself. If you were to journal, like if I was living extraordinary, healthy life, then this is what my life would look like. Like, what do I believe it would be like if I was having this really healthy life, right? What do I believe health is? Like, great health is fill in the blank, right? And people, you know, you can write down all sorts of positive things like, you know, energy, focus, drive, happiness, joy, time with my kids, all those things that we believe we would experience if we were at our optimum health. That's what we think. That's sort of like surface level. That's what we believe about that topic. But then if I ask myself, okay, growing up, what did you, what were you taught to believe about health? What did mama tell you? What did daddy tell you? What did you hear from your aunts and your uncles and the family around you? What did media tell you? If you journaled the same thing, now maybe you're different than me, but I have in my head what my life would be like if I was living in the most optimum, beautiful health ever. But if I journal what I was taught about health growing up, it's abysmal. It's abysmal. And so if I'm not conscious of those things that are below the surface, if I'm not conscious of what is shaping my paradigm and the way that I see the world, then I'm always going to be in opposition with the action that I'm taking, right? So like I'll go, I can go work out in the gym, but if I believe that my family just isn't healthy, we're just not athletes, we just don't have the stamina, we're just not runners, like all of these things that we, you, my friends, like grow up hearing, that sticks. And you will self-sabotage all of these things, this flow chart that I'm sort of describing for you, all of it is like self-sabotaging to like why you are making the choices, why I'm making the choices that we're making. So the reason that I'm saying that the next year, the next 12 months matters most, matters most of your life is like you are not still listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube if there isn't something in your gut telling you like, yeah, I have regressed. Yeah, I'm not where I wanted to be. Yeah, it's not going back and I don't know what to do about it. Like it matters most because it's not going to stop being hard. It's not. It's not going to stop being hard. This virus is not done. It hasn't run its course. The effects on our economy are still being covered up by, not covered up like in a conspiracy, but um, are sort of papered over by the fact that we've had government assistance. So there's a lot of cracks in that that we're not going to see come to fruition yet. Uh, There's a fallout from how many people are out of work, how many businesses have been lost, how hard it is to find workers right now. Like there are hardships that haven't even started to show. Life's going to continue to be hard because life was always hard, right? It was beautiful. It was good. It was special. It was interesting. And it was hard for each and every single one of us. But the hardship feels like a hundred pounds on our chest. 
like a hundred pounds on our back. Like this thing that there's no way we're going to get out of, which isn't true, but that's what it feels like because of what we're coming off of. So if we don't find a way to make change, if we don't find a way to break this cycle, if we don't find a way to move forward, we're going to be caught in this endless cycle of anxiety and fear and lizard brain and there's always a problem and there's and you have people counting on you. You have children, you have a business to run, you have a class to teach, you have a church community to serve, you have impact to make in the world. And you're struggling to find momentum again. You're struggling to find motivation. You're want like where did that where did that version of me go? That version of you has to shift and change. And the beauty is you're going to be stronger on the other side of this, but not if you stay stuck. Every second that you stay stuck in this spot, feeling this way, drowning in these worries and this anxiety and this fear is making you weaker. It is. Why do the next 12 months matter? Because that's what it's going to take to turn things around. It's going to take time. It's going to take dedication and focus. And it matters so much because the next 12 months set up the next 10 years. And not everybody is ready and not everybody wants to make change and not everybody is that kind of person. Not every, like so many people super down for whatever it is and you do you. Live your freaking life the way you wanna live it. But if you're listening to this and you know that you are called to do more, if you know that you're not behaving and going through life and being intentional and being centered and showing up for the people you love in the way that you want to, then we need to shake it up. We need to do something and we need to get focused. So there's a few things, you know, I got to give you a list. There's a few things that I think will help and that I want you to consider, okay? The first thing that you need is a catalyst. The first thing that you need is a catalyst. You need in a if you're writing a script, you need an inciting incident. You need something that happens that turns your world upside down, that shakes you off your axis, that shakes the dust up, that makes you pay attention. Maybe the catalyst is this conversation right now. Maybe the catalyst is a book that you read. The catalyst could be conference, right? Like I am a huge believer in the power of a conference and I have a conference. You don't have to go to mine. There are so many great conferences that can speak to the specific business you're in, to being an entrepreneur, to like exactly what it is that you want to learn about. I, the greatest catalyst of my life ever was a personal development conference. And it's why I throw in every year. The next conference we have is women only because there is an experience that happens when you are just in a group of women. I love men. I love my boys. But we want to create a community of people who are like-minded and sort of understand the social impact of being a woman and what it means to have a family and what it means to try and 
take care of all the things, that is something that exists with RISE Conference that I don't think happens elsewhere. But it is a catalyst. It's three full days of unpacking, right? Day one is all about your past, unpacking literally what are the beliefs that you have? What are the limiting beliefs? What are past trauma and experiences that have made you get to that place in the way that you view the world? What's the paradigm? Meaning what's sort of the filter through which you see all of these things? Because if we can understand why, we can start to shift that paradigm and we can change the way you see yourself so that cognitive dissonance doesn't show up and continue to make you play less than full out. That's day one. Day two is all about your present. How do you take care of yourself in this day, how do you focus on your health so that you have energy, so that you feel joy, so that you're alive and ready to serve? Day three is all about your future. What are the goals that you're setting? Where are you going to go from here? That's my conference. There's literally hundreds of others that you can look into. But do something. Do something big. And I'm not saying financially big. Do something that feels like you shaking it up that feels like you getting real, that feels like the leverage that you need to say, I'm not going back, to say, never again, to say, from now on, I might stumble, I might fall, but by God, I am going to show up in this life, not knowing what's happening, not knowing how many times I'm going to pivot, not knowing what's going to happen with this virus, my business, my job, my family, but I am going to arm myself with what I need to be the person that I want to be and to live the life I want to live. You need a catalyst. The second thing that you need is a plan. You can have all the excitement and momentum and drive in the world, but if you don't know where the hell you're going or how you're going to get there, all of it's going to peter out. In fact, if you've been to a conference before, you might have experienced this. If you've been to something before where you like get super fired up and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go take on, you know, the new year happens and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get healthy, whatever. If you've experienced a moment where you were really pumped and then a month went by and you just sort of didn't have that energy anymore, it's because there was no plan to execute against. You don't get to check in to your life occasionally. If you want a life that's better, if you want the life you know you are capable of living, if you want to be the person that you know you're capable of being, that looks like consistency every day. That looks like you vibrationally being at a level of high energy and consistently showing up for your goals. You need a plan. The third thing that you need is a community. And I am super lucky. I have some friends who are entrepreneurs who are my community who speak into my heart and um, support me in these things. I have people who love me well. You might have to find that community online. You might have to find that community by who you follow. You might have to find that community somewhere, but you need a like-minded community. And when I say like-minded, I want to be really clear because I talk about our Rise community a lot. And I say like-minded or I talk about my coaching group, The Inner Circle, and I say they're like-minded people. They're not the same people. They're diverse. They're different religions. They're different politics. They come from different parts of the world. They have different 
you know, sexual orientations. They have different ways of thinking, ways of being, ways that they grew up. They're not the same, but they're like-minded in that they're trying to take ownership of their life. They have said, they've stuck a flag in the ground and they've said, man, I don't know exactly how I'm getting to the end of this journey, but I know that I don't want to feel out of control anymore. You need a community. And the reason this is more important than ever, I had this epiphany today. I was like, you know how they say that we're the combination of the five people we hang out with most? This is the first time in history that the entire world was all going through the same thing and that we had access to see it in each other via social media. So if you were on social the way I was, which was a lot in the beginning because I was just like, what else is there to do? I'm in lockdown. I was just presented with people all over the world who were scared, people all over the world who were anxious, people all over the world who were eating more, drinking more, numbing out, watching Netflix, doing the, and fuck, man, you cope however you need to. I'm not judging how we all coped. The problem is that if you every single day are served with an example of that, which is still available for you at any moment on social media, then you will perceive that that's the normal way to be, that it's still okay to live in anxiety, that it's still okay to be this afraid, that it's still okay to be drinking this much, eating this much, all of it. And like I said, you're, this is your life. You get to do this life however you want to do it. This is not me telling you how to live. This is me saying, I personally, I think the next 12 months matter. I think I'm tired of being so tired. I think I'm tired of this much stress. And I want to be in a community of people who feel the same way. Even if we don't have all the answers, I want to surround myself with friends and mentors who are like, yep, this is where we're at, but we're going to keep our eyes up here. One of my favorite worship songs says, I'm going to keep my eyes above the waves. I'm going to look up here. I'm not going to stay down here in this. This is real, right? Now, I'm not saying that this all, all this stuff down here isn't happening. That's not the intention of this conversation. I'm not suggesting that we ignore all of this. What I am suggesting is that we hold space for it, but say that we're going to keep our gaze on the horizon. You need a community of people who feel the same. That is today's conversation. And I hope, as always, that you guys found it helpful. It's a bit of a long one. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you dug this, will you please, I just feel like it's such a timely conversation, will you share this YouTube video or will you, you know, take a screenshot and post this on social or maybe just share it with a friend of yours or a family member that you feel like is really struggling right now because I do feel like it's a conversation that we all need to be having and really all I'm hearing conversations about is how everything's going back to normal. We're back to normal. We're back out and like I don't know, maybe where you live, it feels better. But like for me and my friends and my community, we're still for sure in the after effects of, of all these things. And I want to acknowledge it. And I want to figure out a way to get better. I don't mean better performance. I mean, I want to feel better. I'm not giving up. I'm fight, you know, I'm a fighter. I'm I'm figuring it out. I'm still doing these things just like you. But if I'm going to do this, 
I want to do it and thrive. I don't want to survive. I've been surviving for 18 months. I want to thrive. So that's today's conversation. I hope you found it helpful. I hope that if you, you know, me talking about conference was interesting to you. We're going to put a link in the description. We'll put a link in show notes. You can find out more information about conference. It's happening in Austin, Texas, both in person. We have a limited number of in-person tickets as well as virtually. So you can watch it from the comfort of your own home, which is pretty cool because then you could do it with like family or a group of friends or your daughter or whatever. I hope that you guys dug that and that there was something in it that resonated with you. I will be back next week for another conversation. Until then, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.